Hi everyone, this is Greg Harton, the editorial page editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette and your host for Speaking of Arkansas. We appreciate you listening today. You know, climate change is on everyone's mind these days. World leaders recently made headlines in Scotland as they explored progress and the lack of progress on climate change. We often hear about new research showing the compounding effects of a warming planet. Extreme weather events are said to be the new norm. Last Sunday, responding to tornado damage in uh, northeast Arkansas, Governor Asa Hutchinson noted the state is having to spend more of its time preparing for extreme weather events. We can argue all day about the sources of climate change or the politics of climate change. We'll save that for some other day and some other podcast. But it's indisputable that climate change affects the world we live in. Do we sit idly by and see what happens, or do we make some plans based on the best knowledge available to either put off the harmful effects or figure out ways to mitigate them? That really has been an issue my guest today has wrestled with in her role as a member of the city council in Fayetteville. Teresa Turk was elected to her first term in 2018, and she serves the residents of Ward 4 in Western Fayetteville. But climate change is global, not limited to any city, county, state, or nation. So what she's talking about in Fayetteville could certainly apply in other communities of northwest Arkansas and all across the nation. And that's why I wanted to visit with her today. Uh, Before retiring back home to Arkansas, Turk worked uh, for the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration's National Marine Fisheries Service. Gonna, I'm really glad I got that out. Um, that was in Seattle and in Washington, D.C. for about 25 years. Uh, she earned a Master of Science degree in Fisheries Science in 2000 from the University of Washington, and she's now a consultant and owns rental properties in Fayetteville. So thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Greg. It's good to be here. Well, uh, let me just dive into this. I know that we're here to talk about a resolution that you introduced to the City Council. But before we get to that, um, could you just kind of set the stage for us as to what your thought process was, what, what the, um, uh, as you've served, what made you decide to pursue this particular type of resolution? What were the concerns that you saw that you felt like needed addressing? Well, one of the reasons that I ran, uh, I actually listed out all of the reasons that why I was running for city council and those are actually on the city's website. So they're, they're kind of lengthy. There's, there's, a long, there's a long list, a long task. Um, but one of those was really to make Lake Fayetteville swimmable again. Uh, there, was, there were others to increase the tree canopy, um, you know, improve water quality, and all of those things coalesce around climate resiliency, really. These are, some of these issues are long-term issues, but many of them are, are recent. Um, you know, we're losing a lot of trees right now to development or their or natural mortality. Uh, so we need to really start looking at, at those kinds of things. And uh, Lake Fayetteville is not, is not swimmable. And as you may know, it's the backup drinking water supply for Fayetteville if something happens to Beaver Lake. So all of these were cause for concern and, and one of the main reasons why I ran for city council, because I didn't feel like uh, the, the city was addressing these issues uh, aggressively uh, enough and something needed to be done. Okay, uh, you mentioned the term climate resiliency. Um, that, that within 
kind of your world is is probably a common term. Perhaps in the grander scheme of things, some people may not be quite familiar with, with what all that entails. Help me to understand what climate resiliency means relative to what you're working on here in Fayetteville. Well, for climate resiliency is planning for a changing environment. As you mentioned, we've got climate change. We don't know why it's happening or we can debate why it's happening, but it, it's happening. It's happening in our lifetimes. I, I can see it. Young people can see it. It's very rapid. Um, and almost all the assessments or all the planners are, are seeing that, that their projections are actually kind of wrong, that it's actually happening much more quickly than they predicted, which I think is a very scary thing for, for those of us. So if we plan for this, if we plan for change, if we plan for uncertainty where we have um, larger storms, where we have big floods, uh, maybe we can do something about that to mitigate those effects. Tornadoes, I don't think we can do anything about that except maybe strengthen our building codes. But those are so random and erratic that, um, but that's, but. That's part of climate change also. But there are other things that we can plan for. And um, so one of those is really trying to uh, take care of uh, stream bank erosion. Um, we can do some of that with trees by planting more trees along the banks of our creeks, um, being able to hold, uh, hold the bank in a little bit better, planting uh, and expanding riparian zones. And um, there was an article recently in the Washington Post a couple of, maybe it was three or four days ago, that really talked about how trees do so much for our environment. And um, not only do they sequester carbon, but a lot of those are our mental and physical health. And the point of this article was that um, uh, low-income neighborhoods usually have significantly less trees than higher-income neighborhoods. So that's an environmental justice issue as well. So one component of the resolution that was passed uh, three weeks ago uh, was environmental justice. And so with our GIS and, and other kind of analyses, we can really take a look and see where we are, are missing trees and maybe we need to focus some of the plantings in, in those areas. So uh, you mentioned the resolution. It's a resolution that you brought to the city council and uh, it uh, uh, has, you know, uh, a title that's, uh, you know, a mouthful. Um, but give us, give our readers kind of the basic idea of what the resolution accomplishes and what you hope that it will lead to. Um, yes, the resolution is a mouthful. Um, there's been a lot of work done in the past in Fayetteville to really identify uh, high environmentally valuable areas areas such as these stream banks I was just talking about that, that are sensitive, that need protection. Uh, Fayetteville Natural Heritage um, Society did that um, about 10 or 15 years ago. And so, and that's a really great starting place, but we need to sort of update that. Um, that's, that's been quite a while ago. And um, so the resolution asked for $100,000 to be used if needed uh, to hire a consultant to help with updating and identifying those areas that have high ecological value. The second part of that resolution um, also uh, requested $100,000 for a climate resiliency fund, a green fund, if you will, sort of a savings account uh, for the city so that if, pro if high value properties, high ecologically value properties are available, 
uh, that the city would have funding to be able to purchase those, that we wouldn't really have to dip into reserves or actually take out of the current city budget, that we would actually plan for this. And the other thing is that citizens or, or uh, organizations could actually make a donation to that fund too. Right now, we do not have a way to collect funds like that. And wouldn't it be incredible if we had other organizations that would like to donate to something like this for the, for the future of Fayetteville so that we are a little bit more climate resilient and we are planning for change rather than just uh, assuming that everything's going to be okay. And so that would uh, uh, help help to essentially uh, create a, not create because we already have parks and we already have some natural spaces, but you're saying expand that uh, not just to willy-nilly go out and acquire land, but specific to identifiable areas that, that have an ecological impact. That's correct. These would be targeted um, purchases or acquisitions or conservation easements. The conservation easement, I think, is probably a lot more manageable for the city. Um, and so that would probably be the preferred method, but um, at least there would be funding enabled to, to be able to do that. Right now, we don't have any funding. It's, it's um, very happenstance. And most of the properties that, like Kessler and, um, and some of the other areas, Centennial, have been acquired because of either generous or favorable uh, donations or uh, financial arrangements. That's not gonna happen very often. So um, I, again, I think we need to, we need to really plan and, and save, have a savings account for these kinds of acquisitions or conservation easements in the future. Um. You're not suggesting that Fayetteville, through a municipal policy, is is going to stop climate change. Oh no, not at all. Of course not. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it, it seems so big, and and oftentimes that's what prevents people from really doing a whole lot, uh, getting active about it because it just seems like such a huge problem. So you know, I can see where some people might say, well, okay, let's say Fayetteville just does everything gangbusters. Uh, it's it's such a small drop in the pond, so to speak. So why is it important for Fayetteville to, do, to have this sort of approach? It is a very small drop in the pond. This, you know, it's, it's global, it absolutely, and it's very complex, and it's, um, I think it really does sort of um, paralyze people from doing something. But here locally, if we were able to strengthen our, our stream banks, plant the riparian zones, maybe give a little bit of a buffer where we don't have houses um, um, located in a, in a, in a um, you know, in, a, in an area that floods often or floods every hundred years. If we are able to plan that way, then when we do have these big storms, when we have a storm or a flood like we had in 2017, maybe we don't have everybody's house flooded. Uh, maybe the flooding is less than it would be. So our damage would be much, much, much less. So in the resolution, uh, I think you specifically mentioned a town, Kirkland, Washington, which is right there in, by Seattle. Um, uh, and I think you mentioned it as, as a, an example to kind of, uh, uh, that had policies along the lines of what you're hoping the city of Fayetteville will do. Um, uh, what is it about that town that you've seen that makes you say, we, we should 
attempt to emulate some portion or, uh, of, of what they've done. Well, um, I know where Kirkland is. I've been there a few times, but it's been a long time ago. It's sort of on the east side of, of Lake Washington um, in a suburb of, of Seattle. Um, what happened is I started looking around. I tried to do my own research a little bit, and I looked at other cities' master plans. I looked at one from, I looked at Austin's. I looked at some from New Mexico, uh, Nashville, uh, very different locations around the country, and then stumbled upon this one from Kirkland, Washington. And Kirkland is ironically about the same size as Fayetteville is. Um, you know, our geography is significantly different. Uh, but their plan was very comprehensive. It had about seven different elements, and I would say that four of those elements we already have within the city, but we're missing two or three that are really important. And just the way they laid out the information, it was very um, trackable, it was very understandable. It showed exactly where Kirkland was at this point in time, where they wanted to get to, where their goal was, what their priority of that goal was. So they just did a very, very nice, um, comprehensive, but easily understandable um, master plan. And like I said, three or probably four or five components we have already done in this, in this city. The Energy Action Plan, many of those components fit right into what Kirkland has accomplished. I, and you kind of bring up you know, how there are already things that have been um, accomplished and that there are organizations uh, uh, that have been working on this for, for some time. Stream bank erosion, you know, you've, you've got uh, Illinois River Watershed Partnership and, and uh, uh, certainly other organizations that have, have been right in the middle of, of these sorts of things. So how do you feel like this city policy kind of fits, dovetails into what's already existing? Well, I think there's been some really good efforts, but I don't think it's been enough. And I could see the city partnering with other organizations because oftentimes we have the same goals, the same values, but there's not enough funding, there's not enough money. So this could help supplement that. We could also look at um, drafting grants, writing grants, and uh, the more co-sponsors you get, the more pieces that you can share, um, the better off, uh, the more chance you have of getting that grant. So I see this in a variety of different ways, but we're not anywhere near where we need to be. I mean, take a look at Lake Fayetteville. That's the most um, visual example of, of how, how far we have to go. And so um, the Illinois River Watershed Partnership has not been able to really um, do too much about with Lake Fayetteville. And it is a complicated area because we have Springdown, we have Washington County, so there's a, there's a lot of players. And that's probably one reason why we haven't made more progress. Just in terms of the, the water basin that feeds into that? Exactly, in terms of the water basin, but, and, and just the, the poor water quality. I don't believe it's improved in many, many years. Okay. The, um, uh, there is a, um, uh, certainly this uh, attitude, I think, around Arkansas sometimes that, you know, we, we don't, we're in middle America, you know, we don't need to worry quite as much as the people maybe on the West Coast or the East Coast, uh, that sort of thing. Why, why do you feel like that's not the right attitude to take about this? 
Well, um, I think that our population density hasn't been as high as the West Coast or the East Coast, but we're growing very rapidly. I mean, we're in the top 10, you know, fastest growing metropolitan areas in the country. So if there's ever a time to plan and to prepare, it, it's now. So, and I think Arkansas in general has had the luxury of a lot of water, of really beautiful natural resources, um, and low population. But again, that, that is changing. Uh, so we, we need to really be, um, we need to be cognizant that, that things are gonna change here, that we're not gonna stay this small little, um, this little small little metropolitan area, that we're, we're on the map now. We continue to be ranked in the top five you know, most livable cities. So people are finding out about us. They're moving here every day. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but this resolution is a resolution. And a lot of times people say just a resolution <laughs> because it, it is not law. It is, it is essentially asking the mayor and uh, his staff to put together a uh, policy to, that would implement some of the things you're talking about. So um, uh, you feel like the reception to that has been, has been good and the, that the staff is, is ready to get on board with that? I think the reception has been good. Um, and so to supplement, if the staff is too busy, that's why we allocated the $100,000 for them to hire a consultant if, if needed. But I do think the reception has been good. I was a little disappointed a couple of weeks ago when, um, when the $100,000 for, the, for the, the green fund, the savings fund, was, was not passed. Um, I think I just need to go back again and, and explain it a little bit better. Um, but that was a bit disappointing. But it's a small amount of money. Um, I'll bring it back up with the, um, with the city council at the right time and hopefully better explain, um, explain the idea. So you do have the $100,000 for the consultant uh, uh, as, as the uh, city staff works on um, putting um, uh, more nuts and bolts together into a, a, a policy that will eventually be adopted. But, but not the $100,000 for the land acquisition. That is correct. Okay. That's correct. I got halfway there. Yeah. Well, $100,000, <laughs> not bad for a start. Um, so uh, let me uh, play a, a quote that I think you're familiar with from Sloan Scroggin, who is one of your fellow city council members. And when this, uh, this uh, resolution came up, uh, he supported it, uh, and he, but he also had some uh, comments, so let's listen in on that. Um, I, I ultimately plan on uh, supporting this, although I, I do want to kind of have a warning. Uh, I'm concerned that this may be used to fight some of our 2040 goals of uh, providing housing. Um, so that's a, that's a serious concern of mine. Uh, based on some of the emails and support of this I got, it seemed like people were thinking that this was going to allow us to buy land and make sure that houses don't get built by houses that are already there and that's concerning to me um if we're going to fight climate change we need density uh we don't need sprawl and if we use this to basically fight any new housing wherever it is and make it more complicated for developers and and people um it will actually do the opposite of helping uh the climate so like i said i'm going to vote for it i just uh i know it's a resolution which means we will be seeing this again, um, and, and we'll get to look at it uh, again. But I'm hoping that 
um, it kind of stays in line with some of the 2040 goals and not just more um, issues that developers have to go through or ammunition people have to stop development happening from uh, around them. So just give me your overall response to those types of concerns. Well, I think if you take a look at the map that was created by FNHA, um, you can see that- uh, Fayetteville Natural Heritage Association. Association. You can see that um, I don't think any of those would impede housing because usually they're in areas where you wouldn't want to put a house in the first place. So I, I don't, that is not the intent of this uh, resolution at all. The intent is to provide buffers and protections and, and let the environment actually protect us from, uh, from climate change and these, and these really high velocity um, weather events that we're likely to have. So some of, when I heard that comment, I went back to the uh, city council agenda packet, I guess, uh, and there were some emails in there from, from supporters of this. That's, you know, one of them talked about, I su support the proposal to protect Markham Hill. Um, uh, don't let dis developers destroy our environment. And then another one wrote, um, you know, it creates a necessary means which will allow the city to further protect Markham Hill from development by potentially purchasing land and creating a per permanent a nature preserve and park. So I, 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 I get where your colleague was coming from. Uh, it, it seems like there is an idea that this is the start of something that will be, um, will be brought up on major developments in the future. Um, to, to perhaps argue, you know, let's not do this. Um, but uh, is that just an educational thing to, to try to help these people understand that's not where you're going with this? I think it is an educational uh, effort that, that needs to take place. Um, you know, Markham Hill is, is a huge area. Um, you know, $100,000 won't get you very far up there. So no, this is not intended in any way to, um, to, to impact Markham Hill. I think the conversation is already there about what we need to protect for development, and this ha but this has nothing to do with this. Again, this is really focused on, um, on stream banks, high value ecological areas. Uh, and for those listeners who don't know, Markham Hill is a, an area on top of a mountain uh, just west of the University of Arkansas that uh, has been purchased by a, a real estate group and is in the process of being developed. Uh, um, and, and there's some areas there that have been preserved. Um, uh, and, uh, uh, but for, for some folks who love that land and, and, and hate to see it developed, uh, uh, not enough land has been, has been preserved. And, and I, get, I get where they're coming from, but I, but I also thought it was important to, to indicate that this is not a Markham Hill resolution. No, not, not at all, not at all. Um, but I, I, I saw those emails too supporting it and I thought, well, I appreciate that, but they sort of misunderstood the intent uh, of the resolution. And, and I understand that Sloan is concerned about this. I mean, he, he's a developer, he represents that community or a builder rather, I should say. Uh, so I'm sure he's hearing a lot of concerns or could be hearing some concerns from some of his constituents. Yeah, and you know, I've had some dental work done this morning and I asked my dentist, you know, am I gonna be able to do a podcast later <laughs> today? And uh, he asked me what it was about. And 
you know, I, I kind of got the feedback that we usually, it's, it, it won't be any surprise to you that we usually get about Fayetteville. It's so hard to do business in Fayetteville. It's, you know, um, and, and, and he, he kind of felt like this was just, you know, adding on to that pile. Is, is that a fair accusation, I guess, against Fayetteville? Actually, I think it's very unfair. We still have a lot of people that want to move here. We have a lot of businesses that want to be here. Now we're the second largest city in, in the state of Arkansas. Um, but what we need to think about is keeping the culture and the character and the reason why people live here. And so part of that is our beautiful trees and our beautiful scenery and, and the, the kind of vibe here of enjoying nature and the outdoors. So all of those things are part of it. And I think, um, so I, I, think it's, I think it's a mythology in some ways that uh, it's hard to have a business here or develop here. So um, obviously we have just a short period of time here. We can't explore every aspect, but what is it about this that perhaps I haven't asked you about that you wanna make sure people understand? What I'd really hope that people take away from this is that you know, we really do need to plan. I, I've never wanted to have a, a one-off uh, or impact a budget. Uh, if there is a certain property that becomes available that we could put a conservation easement on there. You know, we've had these large pieces that we've been able, that the city's been able to save. But small pieces are also really important. And, um, and so having something there in the capital improvement so that we can draw on that when the opportunity presents itself, I think is really critical. And if we don't have that kind of planning, then I don't really think we're doing the, the, a good service to the citizens of Fayetteville. We have a lot of information now. We have a, a map to start off with. We're gonna update that with a master plan. And so let's, let's implement. Let's just not let that master plan you know, sit on the book, in the bookshelf. Let's actually do some implementation. And, and I know that um, the open space plan has been around uh, quite a while with the Northwest Arkansas Council, but that's just a plan. There has not been any implementation, and part of that problem has been funding. So I think we run out of time. I think we really need to start on it now. We've mentioned conservation easements a couple of times. Uh, uh, those are just where the, the property owner still gets to own the land, but they have agreed to uh, an easement that essentially says they're not going to develop that land, they're going to leave it in its natural state. Is that f a fair description? Generally that's true, but there's also some that are very specific. So they allow certain buildings to be built or certain land uses, so it's not just a blanket that you can't do anything on the land. So there are lots of little details that can be added depending on the specific uh, property and landowner. Okay, but it brings kind of a third party in as far as uh, helping to, uh, uh, to handle those issues. That's correct. So the Northwest Arkansas Land Trust is a, is a local example that, that, um, that implements conservation easements. Well, um, I appreciate you coming to visit about it. It's certainly uh, going to be interesting to see the the city uh, developed this into, you know, 
from the resolution into actual policies that uh, that are implemented and and of course we all know that's kind of where the rubber meets the road um, so uh, much more to come in front of the city council i'm sure and um, uh, i really appreciate you spending time with us today to visit about it and to uh, uh, help people uh, understand a little bit more about it is there um, any suggestion you have for people who might want to learn more about this uh, as to how they might approach that well i think just uh, stay tuned and um you know, there's a couple of books or, that are that are out recently about Northwest Arkansas and our resources, and so I would suggest that folks sort of check that out. All right. Well, uh, thank you so much, and uh, I certainly appreciate all of our listeners out there, and uh, uh, we look forward to another edition of Speaking of Arkansas, and uh, hope you will listen to that and hit subscribe anytime that you're listening to our podcast so that you can become aware of future editions. Uh, for now, I am Greg Harton, and this is Speaking of Arkansas. We will see you soon.